On this edition of Kiwi Tripsters, we explore the coast with the most, the bountiful Kaikoura Coast, where exceptional marine life, mouth-watering seafood and remarkable natural encounters are just the beginning. Join us as we dip into the coast with the most. Welcome to Kaikoura. Welcome back to Kiwi Tripsters. Buckle up and take off to spectacular destinations as we continue our journey and share the inside word on all things travel. Whether it's luxury travel or backpacking on a budget, whether it's cruising or foodie trips, we've got you covered with top tips and tricks so you can have an amazing travel experience. And now, over to your hosts, Mike Yardley and Chris Lynch. Welcome aboard Kiwi Tripsters. I'm Chris Lynch. I'm Mike Yardley. Very good to be with you. And on this edition of Kiwi Tripsters, it's all about Kaikoura on this episode because it is a beautiful place and it's not too far to travel if you are in the South Island. That's true, Chris. Yes, whether you are heading down from uh, Marlborough or up from Christchurch, it's an easy jaunt to the Kaikoura coast. And what I love about this part of the world is the terrain, the seascape, the topography. It sets it apart. Those mountains rearing up from the coastline uh, from the Pacific Ocean, it just serves such a knockout setting. And that backdrop of the seaward Kaikoura range, I reckon, is a match, if not better, than the Remarkables in terms of a backdrop. Uh, Few places in the world have such awesome mountains so close to the sea. And, of course, adding to the extreme drama that nature has wrought on this place is the fact that just offshore, you've got that Kaikoura Canyon plunging to a depth of 1,200 metres. And it's those deep-sea trenches, of course, that have given rise to the world-beating marine wildlife experiences you can encounter. And we will talk about the wildlife shortly, but first of all, I was just trying to think about this the other day. With Kaikoura, where is a good place to start? Where do you reckon is the best place to look at the incredible landscape so you can really appreciate its beauty? Well, dare I say it, I only did this for the first time a few days ago. I think the perfect introductory is to head out on the Kaikoura Peninsula walkway. It's about a three-hour loop circuit, And I just think it serves up all of the great elements of the region, the splendour of the ocean, the wildlife, those sizzling views of the seaward Kaikoura range. Um, And it wraps its way around the peninsula, which was originally an island. So a bit like Banks Peninsula of Christchurch, Kaikoura Peninsula uh, was connected to the mainland only by all of the eroded debris from the mountains. And can I just say, even if you do the Kaikoura Peninsula walkway and say it's a little bit drizzly or it's a little bit rainy, it is still absolutely spectacular. You know, if you look, can I just say, if you were to go and do like the, the Hokitika, you know, gorge, that it's got to be a blue sky day. Yes. It's got to be a blue sky day. But for this, it doesn't have to be because it is so breathtaking, isn't it? Absolutely. I had quite a bit of low cloud when I did it and it was like mystical. It was quite an ethereal setting as I was lapping up a lot of the Maori mythology. Um, And something which I think is really interesting in terms of mythology is um, this was supposedly Maui's seat on the canoe. So the legend is that Maui used the peninsula as a foothold to steady himself when he fished the North Island out of the sea. There were 14 Maori pass sites over the centuries, 
dotted around the peninsula, and you can see a number of them on the walk. And they reach back over 800 years um, as moa hunter settlements. So, yeah, there's a lot of carved pillars and interpretation panels that bring to life a lot of that cultural heritage. The other really cool thing is just geologically, it's like a 3D lesson about all of that uplift with all the seismic forces in the area. So many dramatic rock formations, big rocky headlands, limestone reefs, uh, reefs, tidal platforms that the sea is gouged out of all of that uplifted sandstone. So nature's immense power is absolutely on graphic display. And of course, it was given another touch up in the 2016 quake. Why not? Now, what about Whalers Bay? Did you manage to head there? Yes, uh, this is a, a cliffside track down to the shoreline of Whalers Bay, which very much follows the former Whalers route. So this is the bay that was used as the prime launching point for the boats, the Whalers boats uh, back in the day. And from the clifftop, uh, you'll see this landmark called the Sugarloaf, which is also known as Bird City because it's the largest red build gull colony in the South Island, and I would imagine it's where a lot of those voracious gulls herald from, who then try and mug you for your fish and chips when you're down on the beach in Kaikoura. I've had that. Uh, a big seagull took my fish and I packed a sad and my mother laughed at me. Uh, what about Hutton's uh, Shearwater? Yeah. Yeah, well, there's a huge work that's been done in recent years to support these very endangered seabirds. And they are quite remarkable because Kaikoura is the only place on Earth that they breed. And then they will winter over in Australian waters, but they're obviously very discerning birds because they never actually make landfall in Australia. They just have a feed out of the water before heading home. Um, they breed high up in the Kaikoura range at two locations, and then 15 years ago, a new colony was developed for them on the peninsula. So you'll see this colony on the walk, and um, it has started to produce offspring. So Chicks were taken from the mountain burrows about 15 years ago, and now those chicks have grown up and are starting to produce their own offspring in this new colony. So it's all designed to help boost the population of the Hutton's Shearwater. And not far from South Bay, yeah, you can see the colony, and you'll often get a glimpse of a raft of birds flying in formation low to or from the sea for a feed. Now, obviously, we have to touch on the fur seals. Um, that's a highlight for me. And they often say, don't, you know, get too close to them. But I've seen some people get quite close to them, and I think they love the attention. I think they do, but they've got a nasty bite and a very infectious bite. Uh, Are you speaking from experience? Well, I've, ha I've actually had a few close shaves, Chris, and looking at some of the incredible photos you've taken of those fur seals over the years, it looks to me as if you've had some very intimate encounters with the New Zealand fur seal at Point Keen. That's just a good zoom camera, thank you, sir. Oh, well, very good. But, I mean, you've got to be careful when you get to that car park at Point Keen, which is all part of the Peninsula Walkway. I've often noticed how, like, there'll be a big bull seal squatting in the bush and he will sort of bark at you as you walk by um so you don't don't get too close to these guys they will bite the females and their pups tend to be further out on the rocky platforms at point king but if the tide is low you can actually walk out on those open tidal platforms and alongside the fur seals you'll see heaps of wading birds like oyster catchers and reef herons um there's shags galore 
Always fun to see plenty of shags. And if you're extra lucky, you may even spot some blue penguins bobbing just offshore. But I tell you what, on that peninsula walkway, Chris, you fast become a bird nerd. Actually, that's a very good point. I felt I, I, I remember doing that myself. Now, did you get a chance to look at the Fife House? This is such a treasure. In Christchurch, a lot of people, including Chris and I, are very, very proud of Dean's Cottage in Rickett and Bosch. You know, sort of like the cradle of European settlement. Fife House is the equivalent in Kaikoura. And I met up with the curator, Anne McCaw, uh, and she gave me a great tour through this treasure, which dates back to 1844 and the beginning of European settlement in Kaikoura. So Robert Fife was the guy that established the first shore whaling station and um, set about building uh, this property, which is Kaikoura's oldest surviving building. His cousin, George, added to the building in the 1860s. And as you walk through it today, you can still see the wallpaper dating back to those early days. So it stood the test of time. It's pretty in pink. And I tell you what, the colour palette was created in the most amazing way. It was made from red lead, white lead, mixed with whale oil. And the most extraordinary feature of Fife House, the foundations. They were built from whale bone vertebrae. Whale bones, and they have stood the test of time. The building fed remarkably well on the quakes, and the whale bones essentially acted like base isolators. So it's an incredible link to its legacy, you know, as a whaling station in those days when uh, the whalers were chasing the mighty southern right whale to light the homes far away in Europe with oil-burning lamps. Any other standout nuggets? Well, one of the exhibitions inside the house, which I thought was stunning, is the story of the Fife Moor egg. So in the 1850s, George Fife and his team discovered what remains the largest moor egg ever found. And it was in a sea cave just behind Fife House. And it was actually part of a burial offering from hundreds of years earlier, marking the death of a moa hunter. So his skeleton was also found in the cave alongside this massive moa egg and an argolite adds. The egg ended up in the hands of a private collector overseas. It actually spent time at the British Museum, but was finally repatriated by our National Museum and now is, uh, takes pride of place at Te Papa. You're with Kiwi Tripsters as we celebrate all things great about Kaikoura. Yes, and if ever a landform doubles as a fitting symbol for a region's greatest treasure, Kaikoura Peninsula would have to take the cake because from the air, it vividly looks like the shape of a whale's tail. How cool is that? It actually does. Now, there are a variety of ways to see the whales. Mr Yardley, what did you do? Well, there are options. If you do want to get intimate with a whale tail, of course, you can take to the water with Whale Watch, who have become one of New Zealand's iconic tourism operators. It's a two-hour cruise on the water, uh, but you'll be delivered an up-close encounter with the world's largest toothed predator, the giant sperm whale. Um, And that's in those waters all year round. Their cruisers enjoy a 95% success rate of whale sightings, In fact, they're so confident about it. If you don't see a whale on a whale watch tour, you get a guaranteed 80% refund. Which I think is a pretty reasonable thing, really, because you can't decide what nature 
is going to do for you. Are the sperm whales permanently in these waters, Mike? Yes, they can be found in the Kaikoura Canyon all year long. June and July is the best time to see multiple sperm whale sightings. Excuse me, they form quite loose pods and they generally keep several miles apart, you know, between each other. But aside from the sperm whales, around 80% of the world's whale and dolphin species migrate past the Kaikoura coastline. So it's just like a platter of marine mammals to marvel over. I've got to say, the blue whale, though, is the absolute ultimate. What do you reckon? Oh, totally. The holy grail of whales, isn't it? The largest animal to ever exist on Earth. And in the summer months, uh, you may get lucky. There are numerous sightings of the blues over the summer months. Humpbacks are also common in summer because they're migrating south from the tropics where they will go to breed and carve in winter, just off the likes of Tonga and Cook Islands. Um, The southern right, the minke and the pilot whales, they're also seen at regular times around Kaikoura. Okay, what about anything airborne? Well, I think it's a superb way to go airborne to savour the majesty of these marine mammals because if you look down at the sea, you can just see them floating in formation. Uh, Even those sperm whales who, you know, will swim along in a loose pod. But it's like an armada of animals. Uh, And from the air, you can really appreciate the full size of the mighty sperm whale from tip to tail. You will also have an opportunity to see the dusky dolphins and other marine life uh, as part of your flight. And we will talk more about the dolphins and also the albatross encounters a bit later on with Lynette Berman. Okay, now, any operators that you would recommend? Air Kaikoura, they are just so good. They're a small, friendly aero club, right? So this is a not-for-profit operation, and they were the first to offer whale-watching flights in Kaikoura. They've been doing it for about 30 years. They've got a spotless safety record, uh, and they will guarantee a flight leaving with a minimum of two passengers. And aside from whale-watching, if you want to do some other like scenic flights around the seaward Kaikoura range and into the high country, go and see uh, some of the epic changes to the landscape from the quake, like the creation of Lake Rebecca, they can do all of that for you. Now, just north of the town, did you head up to the highway to Ohor Point? Absolutely. And the highway, as you know, Chris, in itself is just worth the trip. That Kaikoura Coast Highway, reconstructed post-quake, I think would be our greatest engineering achievement in New Zealand in the past 100 years. Just the monumental scale of the work. It was such a guts and glory triumph, and it was done pretty quickly after the quake. I know a lot of people thought, oh, this will take decades to do. Some people thought it would never get done. One of the silver linings to the reconstruction of the highway, I I think, is the number of safe roadside stopping bays that have been crafted into the works. And Orho Point is one of the best because, as I'm sure a lot of people know, this is one of the greatest places in the country to see fur seals. It's actually our largest fur fur seal colony uh, from Orho Point to Paparoa Point, which is like a 3K stretch of rocky coastline. 2,000 seals call these rocks home. Um, and they will return there to to breed. Breeding season, by the way, is well underway. And the first pups 
are typically born in the first couple of weeks of December, so if you're planning a summer trip, you'll be in luck. There will be a lot of hollering and hooting and lounging over those rocks by those seals. Um, All the old boys were there, the males. They were waiting for breeding season, and I was there a few days ago. They were like the good old boys at the Canterbury Club after a few too many gins. It was a magnificent spectacle. Never been there, so I can't comment. Um, did you sample some of the like amazing artworks that have been threaded into the highway at various stopping points? I think they're they're a bit underrated because they they're beautiful. Totally, and a huge amount of work has been put into this package of artworks. That yeah, they have speckled their way all along the highway from the time you hit the Kaikoura coast in the south all the way up, pretty much to the Clarence River. So yes, these stopping areas are not only just a great place to stretch the legs and breathe in that salty air and marvel at the coast, but beautiful artworks, carved pillars or pofenua, magnificent murals, lots of interpretation panels. So these are all designed to bring to life stories from Maori mythology, local history, lots of insights on the glorious natural environment. And the plantings are really special too. I only learnt um, while I was uh, there a few days ago, Chris, about... At Orho Point, they have planted the car park area in Orho Rock Daisy, which I'd never heard of. Highly endangered, and it was nearly wiped out completely by the collapsing cliffsides during the earthquake. So they are unique to the area. And what a lot of the workers did when they were building the highways, they collected seeds from some of the crushed plants they came across. They've been replanted in these stopping bays and the daisy status has improved immeasurably. By the way, if you want to delve into Kaikoura's tapestry, the high country, and perhaps enjoy some hardy hikes, there's a really good operator I came across. They specialise in multi-day tours around Kaikoura. Um, It's called Driftwood Eco Tours. Will and Rose headed up. They will treat you royally. Just Google Driftwood Eco Tours. Thanks, Mike. Well, coming up, Mike talks to the chair of Destination Kaikoura, and we dip into some more cultural gems. You're with Kiwi Tripsters, and it's a pleasure to be joined by Lynette Berman. Lynette is chair of Kaikoura Tourism, and for the past 25 years, Lynette's been co-owner of Encounter Kaikoura. Now, these are the people you need to see if you want to have a dolphin encounter or maybe an albatross encounter. Lynette, great to see you. Thank you very much for joining us. Well, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Mike. Now, there are so many threads, so many layers uh, to your wonderful part of the world. And I think most people who go to Kaikoura, maybe for the first time, think, yes, it is a gorgeous coastal town, but there is just so much more to your tapestry. If you had to encapsulate Kaikoura's many wonders to a person who had very little uh, knowledge of the destination, how would you go about doing it, Lynette? That is a very good question, and it's hard to sum up in one sentence. But what I was thinking of actually demonstrating this with is our brand story, which is our uniquely Kaikoura in our nature. And that really encompasses everything from our natural environment and our wildlife and our diversity of species, and also the warmth of our welcome around the kaitiakitanga that we offer. And to top it all off, that emotional connection Uh, to all aspects of our nature and our seafood, our adventure. It just, so yes, it's in our nature. I think think you've summed it up beautifully. And I mean, the hospitality factor, 
It's interesting you've referred to that because that's what really struck me when I was in your wonderful uh, part of the world a few days ago, that there is that real genuine, authentic sense of of hospitality from the locals. You know, it's not it's not orchestrated. It's not manicured. It's just how you are. And th- there's an innocence to it as well, as much as it's extremely warm and friendly. Well, that's good to hear because that's, that's what we strive for, but we want it to be part of who we are and for people to feel that. And I think that that real sense of community, because we are small, we're a small coastal village really, but that doesn't mean our vision's small. Um, and I think that we're well connected. So we know people in our town, we we can we can connect and support people rather readily. And it's not this, that not that competitive element that exists in some tourist destinations. Mm, no, it's very true. Obviously, the COVID age has been immensely challenging for anyone involved in the visitor economy, and and tourism has become you know a very big part of your economic uh, framework uh, in recent years. How well or otherwise has Kaikoura been faring in the COVID age? Mm, oh, look, it's tough. I can't. I can't lie. It's. Um, we have a sense of being really hamstrung by the impacts of the um, pandemic as it stands. And we've been really relying on long weekends and school holidays to really give us a bit of a an increase in customers. Um, and of course, the most recent lockdown in Auckland has added another layer of difficulty because we've seen uh, the choice really being taken away by, by a large opportunity um, in terms of customer volume materialising. So there is hardship here. Um, and I think it's right now, it's there's just no clear pathway forward. But we have to remain resilient, even I know, I know that word is overused, but we have to uh, see past the uncertainty and the confusion, if at all possible, and know with confidence that we've got a great tourism offering. We just need access to our market. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of resilience, obviously, it's a word I'm familiar with as well, uh, with the scar tissue from the whole Christchurch earthquake sequence. And given that legacy of the quakes and the impact it has on a community, do you think with the arrival of COVID, it has actually given Kaikoura and its and its spirit a bit of extra grit and know-how and self-belief to get through uncertain times? Yeah, that's a good question, Mike. I, I actually think it has. Um the community knows how it feels to be confronted by an event that is outside our immediate control. And while um, we thought the earthquake was huge um, and it was confronting, this pandemic is, is off the scale in that regard. But I think some of the the attributes of dealing with the earthquake can be actually attached to our response to the pandemic. And I, you know, thinking back when the earthquake struck, our community became even closer. And we, the, the support was tangible, it was real, it was a, a different world and we, we were somehow more closely connected. And as, you, as the memories of those events sort of become more distant, you thought those behaviours often are, are forgotten and, you know, normal sort of humanity returns, if I can sum it up like that. So I think recovering from COVID or being challenged by COVID has similarities for sure but it's going to actually require even more of us this time to recover. But I know we can do it. We've been here before, but we and we just have to, to go again. Absolutely. Speaking of the quake, it obviously has reshaped Kaikoura in all sorts of ways, not just to the landscape and to the 
uh, raised seabed and so forth. But there have been so many incredible reconstruction stories. I'll think of the Mayfair, for example. What an amazing grassroots community effort that was. I know you've got your new aquatic centre about to open. Um, how do you think the quake reshaped Kaikoura's offering for a visitor? Well, it's pretty amazing to say this because the earthquake is about loss, first and foremost, but it's created a silver lining for our community that would never have materialised without such an event. We've had so much support in reconstruction of our highways, of our infrastructure, but more importantly, I think the commercial opportunity that's actually come to us because of the focus that the earthquake brought us we would never have dreamt or imagined it was going to be a tangible thing the way it's developed. We've got um, we've got uh, construction in all, all facets, accommodation, commercial investment like we've never seen here before, which is really exciting. So it takes our eyes off the loss and, and the recovery to where we can head now. It's given us a future. And I just wanted to add to that that with the nectar effort here, with our reconstruction of our infrastructure, our roading and our rail, it actually presented to us a fan club that we never, ever knew of before. And a lot of those people have stayed on and bought properties and committed to being here because they fell in love with this place. That's fantastic, yeah. After having so much skin in the game, rebuilding your highway. I was I was standing at Oho Point earlier in the week, and it's not the first time I've been there, you know, since the, the highway was reconstructed, but I just found myself looking up at those cliffs, thinking of all of that debris that had rained down, um, decimating the area, and looking at what's there now. And I genuinely stood there in awe. I mean, it would have to be one of our greatest engineering achievements in the last century, surely. Yes, without a doubt. And I mean, it it was actually celebrated by a global award for just that. So, you know, when we first saw the the magnitude of the debris, and it kept coming down. It wasn't just a single event, it kept coming down. And flying over that and just just thinking, how can we ever be fixed up? You know, so we are eternally grateful for, for the effort that went in. And it was pretty pretty short when I think of some other events that are still uh, you know struggling with repair and reconstruction and some that haven't started yet. We're very grateful. It's amazing. Now, let's talk about your wonderful marine life, because obviously whales are synonymous with Kaikoura, but there is so much more in that big blue sea out there. Um, it's a world-beating offering, really, isn't it, on your shore? Absolutely is. And I think what makes Kaikoura different is the diversity of wildlife and the abundance of wildlife that's found here. So I'm really confident, hand on heart, saying, yes, we are indeed a world-class destination or location for wildlife. Absolutely. The Dolphin Encounter uh, is a huge crowd puller. Uh, Why? What is the attraction, Lynette? Explain this relationship between humanity and dolphins to me. Well, it's a pretty special one. And I think I have I have very little to add to it to say that the wildlife, the dusky dolphins themselves, are the stars of that experience. As a species, they're the most interactive dolphins known to man. And they're very acrobatic and curious and just mind-blowingly magical. That you can't actually see dusky dolphins and, and interact with them and feel 
like you haven't had the most incredible experience with nature and with wildlife. So it's really the, the species, the dusky dolphins that have made the tour experience what it is. And we've really just wrapped around what we need to do around that, that incredible opportunity and made it something that's workable. So we, yeah, we just can't believe how many dolphins are in our, along our coastline and the type of inspirational, motivational encounters that just leave our crew and our customers just feeling just really touched by nature. It's, it's something to behold. That's awesome. And, of course, you also operate the Albatross Encounter. I was intrigued to discover that Kaikoura is considered unrivaled, really, as a destination to see seabirds and so many varieties of uh, albatross species, right? That's correct. Yeah, we it was a little bit of a surprise to us to learn this ourselves, and from that came a tour opportunity. But Kaikoura is, because of the deep water that uh, is close to shore and supports an amazing amount of food for these foraging birds, the albatross actually uh, leave their breeding grounds and when they fledge, they wander the southern oceans. And Kaikoura's become a popular spot for these juvenile teenage birds to actually grow up and to become sexually mature. And so why we have why we have so many different species here is because it's just an easy place for them to 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 learn how to exist, how to how to survive in the ocean. It's a safe, it's it's a relatively relatively safe area because there's not a lot of fishing practices that would impact their well-being and what we've discovered is that it's the best place in the world to see the number of different species we see so close to shore. So another iconic element to Destination Kaikoura's offering. Absolutely. I know it's bird of the year time, uh, voting time. Have you got a pet pick? Well, look, I am so challenged by the bird of the year. I went into the website and I looked at each species and I thought I have to vote for every single one because they <laughs> all deserve a vote. But, of course, for me, it would have to be the Intimidian albatross because um, I'm hoping that a vote for that bird will help bring focus to its plight and it is it is in decline and it's not uh it's actually a global issue rather than just a new zealand issue so i'm hoping that uh there will be a lot of support for the, the antivity and albatross because of course it's a, it's a species that's very dear to our hearts here and when we do see them we're so excited we're so excited just a couple of quick things. Crayfest is underway for the next couple of weeks until November 14 in Kaikoura. Um, are you going to be chomping down on crayfish pizza, Lynette, or a crayfish pie, or what's planned? Oh, look, two weeks of crayfish dishes that have been developed for the Crayfest is just so exciting because my repertoire is crayfish and salad, so I'm really looking forward to having some new <laughs> cuisine on offer. And... Um, Again, I just can't wait to to share that with others, hoping we get some support with the changing environment. It's going to be a challenge out there. But, um, yeah, it's a delicacy which is delicious. And uh, I'm just so excited. Bring it on, really. You could always just get a crayfish tattoo, right? Oh, wow. Now, that's something else. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that's one of the offers from the 30 participating businesses in Kaikoura. Well, yeah, I think they were going all out to just be as random as whatever. Now, I understand there is some sort of competition running that you wanted to mention on the Kaikoura website, right? Thank you, Mike, for the reminder. Yes, there's, if you have got an interest in finding out about what Kaikoura has to offer, there's a fantastic uh, competition running on kaikoura.co.nz, which is our destination website, until 
about mid-November, I believe. The prize is amazing. So, yeah, check it out. Be into one and come and see us up here in Kaikoura. We really look forward to welcoming you. Super special place, Lynette. Thank you very much for joining us and all the very best for a bumper summer. Kia ora. Thanks so much, Mike. Appreciate it. You're with Kiwi Tripsters now. Uh, on November the 16th, Kaikoura marks the fifth anniversary of its devastating 78 magnitude earthquake. I mean, the town has been through a lot, but I can't believe really it's going to be five years. Time certainly flies, but something the town is really excited about with this upcoming anniversary, it dovetails with the grand opening of their stunning new aquatic centre, which is being built up on Kaikoura Peninsula. So when you kick back to have a wee dip in the water, you will have the most salivating view of those mountains. I mean, what a knockout facility this is going to be for locals and visitors alike. Meanwhile in Christchurch, of course, what are we? 11 years on, we're still waiting for our big pool. (laughs) Anyway, I'm glad you laughed at your own joke there, Mike. Um, And has the Mayfair, that's reopened, hasn't it? Yes, just under a year ago. This is such a cool grassroots project and it was completed just before Christmas last year. The Mayfair is best known for its pink art deco facade. It's on the Esplanade, very close to the heart of town. It was first built in the 30s, so it has been a cinema for most of its life. Then the earthquake came along and it's being transformed into a more multi-purpose cinema, theatre, gallery and conference venue. The acoustics are absolutely superb. And after the quake devastated the building, it was the facade that was saved. The bulk of the building was fully reconstructed. Some of the fundraising efforts, Chris, have been heroic. The Kaikoura Op Shop alone has gifted and pledged over $300,000 to the Mayfair. It's just incredible. And the facade's pink hue is so loved. It has now been officially named... Mayfair pink by Razine. It's like a certain pink paint colour. It's a gorgeous venue, and aside from catching a movie or a show, there's always a great art exhibition uh, to check out too. So this Art Deco legend has been reborn. It's a definite must-see on the Seaside Esplanade. Actually, speaking of the Seaside Esplanade, what's also really nice to see is if you just look out carefully, you can really get a taste of some of the Art Deco history there as well. A lot of it is still remains. In fact, there was a really cool motel I stayed at. I can't recall what it was called now, and it was very Art Deco, but very um, kitsch, but at the same time feeling quite luxurious. We know what we like, our luxurious stuff, don't we, Mike? Yeah, like, now, let's, yes, let's uh, talk about the, the, the Kaikoura Museum. That's worth a browse, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, located in that very distinctive cray pot building on the main drag. It does a really good job telling the stories of the town's natural and cultural history. They've got this incredible slab of rock in the museum with the fossilised remains of a plesiosaur, which is a marine reptile that roamed the ocean about 77 million years ago at the time of the dinosaur. <clears throat> the amazing thing is the fossil was spotted on the side of a Murray Bluff just south of Kaikoura about 30 years ago, right? Auckland Museum were keen to get their mitts on it. They offered to fund the entire extraction costs of this huge slab of rock off the bluff, and they said, look, we'll give you half of it, Kaikoura Museum. So that was the deal that was done. So the other half of this rock 
and this marine reptile from 77 million years ago is currently in the Auckland Museum. It's a stunning sight, though, the other half at the Kaikoura Museum. What about the earthquake? Yes, well, the museum has launched a long-term exhibition uh, called New Normal, which delves into the quake and its impact on the people and the landscape. There's a really strong human dimension to the exhibition, and I love how they've got these 40 mini exhibitions from members of the local community, very personal, very much, you know, sharing your own stories and memories as that epic event unfolded. Definitely worth checking out. I still can't believe it's five years. Now, at the north end of the town, you made your way to the Classic Car Museum. There's quite a few classic car lovers in this part of New Zealand, by the way. Certainly are, Chris. And you know how much I am a walkover for anything retro Americana. My middle name should probably be Route 66. Anyway, fun. Or something else. (laughs) (laughs) But we won't go there. Oh, boy. Backing up the truck. Uh, Anyway, father and son Bernard and Jeff Harmon, they share a deep passion for classic cars, particularly your American classics. So they established Harmon's Motor Museum to showcase their seriously impressive collection. It's actually housed in the old Mitre 10 building on Beach Road. And they have created inside this museum some incredible sets to ramp up the atmos. Best of all, they have recreated the main street of Kaikoura circa 1950s within the museum just to play on that whole classic car vibe. And the headline set is this monstrous reconstruction of the legendary Adelphi Hotel, which took pride of place in the heart of town before Mr. Earthquake came along. Bernard had actually bought this hotel just months before the quake, but it was totaled by the earthquake. Anyway, his tribute to the Adelphi, it's a stunner. With all of his cars parked outside it, it is so elaborate. It's not a full-scale replica, but I reckon it would be very close to it. What about the diner? Yes, out front of the museum. This is only a year old. Yeah, quintessential American-style diner. It's been wooing the crowd since it opened, so it sort of completes the whole retro experience. Uh, You'll feel like you've walked onto the set of Happy Days. So whether you want to whistle up coffee and donuts or a crayfish burger, Bernie's Diner is a must-do, Chris. Speaking of great bites, um, there are so many different places that you can eat. It's not just there. Um, What are some of the other places? What about, um, for example, say the the Pier Hotel? That's pretty cool. It is. And Bernard uh, and his wife, Shona, they also own and operate the Pier Hotel, which has got so much history. It's been like a hospitality beacon down on Wakatu Key since the 1880s. Uh, It's a real waterside treasure. Great spot to soak up the Alpine and Ocean views. Killer sunrises, killer sunsets. Uh, Reservations are essential for evening dining. It is so popular. And the menu very much is a celebration of land and sea. So whether you're after crayfish, beef or lamb, uh, you'll be good to go. Exceptionally good value. Also worth a mention, I tried a steak sammy at a very new cafe in town, Flo & Co. Absolutely superb. If you like a seafood chowder for lunch, You cannot beat the bowl of goodness served at Cafe Encounter. And if you want to get hands-on with a cooking class, complete with foraging, Hapoku Kitchen offer a variety of outstanding classes, regardless of your culinary skills. And the good news is, Crayfest is definitely 
on. Absolutely. There is a rolling menu of events and festivities around town until November 14. So you're going to have to be quick. Uh, very much a salute to Kai Koda's namesake, Kai Moana, the crayfish. There's about 30 local hospo businesses that are all involved, providing a delectable array of crayfish dish specials, regardless of your uh, size of your wallet. Um, there will be something to suit all budgets. Rip into those crayfish pies and crayfish pizzas. Love it. Now, what do you reckon? A good place? Where's a good place to stay? I really enjoy the uh, Heritage Collection White Morph Hotel. So this is down on the Esplanade, right across the road from that lavish sweep of Norfolk Pines. I love those trees, Chris. Uh, you've got a ringside seat on a sunrise to die for. The Mayfair is right next door to this hotel, by the way, um, but it's affordable, luxury accommodation. You've got all your creature comforts. I had this massive spa bath. I had a private balcony to watch the world go by. Oh, it was You don't deserve it. I did not deserve it, Chris, but yeah, make sure you uh, order up a premium oceanfront room for the complete experience. It's a winner. Okay, you know that I like my luxury stuff, so I might do that. That's it for now on Kiwi Tripsters. Make sure you head to Kaikoura, support the locals, support the industry, and we you will have a great time. By the way, our show notes are available on the website at kiwitripsters.co.nz. Our articles on Kaikoura will be on For the Love of Travel. Uh, uh, co.nz shortly. Plus, we'd love you to rate and review Kiwi Tripsters on the podcast service of your choice. Our feature articles, as I say, well, they'll be up very shortly. Catch you in a couple of weeks' time. And that's a wrap for this episode of Kiwi Tripsters. Liked what you listened to? Then join us for our next episode of Kiwi Tripsters, where we bring you more travel inspiration, giveaways, and insider knowledge with expert guests on the show. Connect with us on Facebook and Instagram, and visit us on kiwitripsters.co.nz. But most importantly, subscribe and comment on Apple Podcasts, and tell us what you think of our show. Till next time, safe travels. Safe travels.